Hey, welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. Today, we have got one of our behind-the-scenes staff talk with our lead pastor, Paul Benjer, here at Icon Church. We're looking at this theme of calming the ego, and uh, so you'll be able to listen in and find out what we're talking about and what Paul's sharing with us in this staff talk today. Great. Well, I thought this morning I'd uh, just talk a little bit more about <clears throat> something we uh, chatted a little in Sunday night, calming, and I've called it calming the ego, and um, just give us a chance to talk about that a little bit, respond to that, uh, I guess, that message. Um, some of those thoughts, I'm thankful to some stuff that Tim Keller wrote um, around that, um, but um, we based it around the problem in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where there's factions in the church, people saying I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos and um, these obviously factions weren't trivial otherwise Paul wouldn't have talked about them, they were serious mm. they were stuff that he felt was a, affecting the life of the church it, you know, it's not like somebody you know, like um, saying, yeah, I'm, I was going to use a trivial example there, but you never know where this is going, um, so I won't do that. But um, anyway, uh, let me read some of the verses that he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, he says this, he explains the problem, and then he says, You are still of the flesh, for as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? So let no one boast about human leaders, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, the present or the future, all belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. So he challenges them that their thinking is just and their responses are just merely human. And uh, he expects more from them and then as we kind of talked about a little bit on uh, Sunday evening, he addresses the root cause, which is this boasting, this pride, this ego, this view of self. In verse 21, he says, let no one boast. And um, up until the 20th century, traditional cultures, and this is still true of most cultures in the world today, always believed that a high view of self, pride, was the root cause of all evil. Um, so if you were to ask those cultures, what's the, re what's the reason for crime and violence? Why are people abused? Why are people cruel? Why do people do the bad things they do? Traditionally, the answer was hubris, pride. It's people you know, have this sense of pride. However, the modern Western world, so our part of the world, has utterly flipped that and gone the other way. So we now think the reason all those things happen, the basis um, for our understanding and education on this, the way we treat prisoners, for example, today, the foundation of legislation, the starting point for most counselling is exactly the opposite. Mm. And so the, our belief today is, is that people have low self-esteem and that's the problem. To be dealt with, not pride, but low <coughs> self-esteem. The focus on both of those positions is the ego, whether it's overinflated or deflated. And I think much of our modern preaching actually 
addresses it at that level. You know, often we speak, don't we, about low self-esteem or we speak of not thinking the way um, God thinks about it. But Paul comes from a completely different angle and he says it's actually ego that's the problem, whether it's inflated or deflated, yeah. it's the ego. And so he, he's trying to correct the Corinthians in this. And uh, so then in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, he says this, I've applied all this teaching that he's given to them, we're only reading snippets of it, to Apollos and to myself for your benefit, so that you may learn through us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written, so that none of you will be puffed up in favour of one against another. And he uses this word puffed up, and uh, the normal Greek word, as we discovered, is hubris, but he uses a different word, overinflated, distended. Um, five times he uses it in the book of Corinthians, and then also once in the book of Colossians. No other Bible writer uses it. Um, it's an idea of Paul's. It means to be bloated, to be full of air. To the picture is of a distended organ part in the body that's full of air or gas that shouldn't be there. Something shouldn't be there. And uh, that image, that bloated image uh, of the ego su suggests these four things about the human condition and uh, our ego. That one, our ego is empty. Uh, that there's emptiness at, at the centre. Kierkegaard says it's the normal state of the human heart to try and build identity around something besides God. It's spiritual pride and we know there's an emptiness at the center so we try to fill it and um, we believe that we're competent to run our own lives, achieve our own sense of self-worth and find a purpose big enough. The second, it's painful and um, like uh, we mentioned on Sunday about the fact that you don't really notice your body until there's something wrong with you. Mm. You know, nobody, when we're walking around, thinking how fantastic our toes are, probably most of us have not thought about our toes at all uh, this morning because <clears throat> the parts of the body only draw attention to themselves when they're hurting. But the truth is that it's, it's hard to go through a day without feeling some sense of, hurt or being overlooked, disappointment or something, that's because there's something wrong at the heart of the human ego. Um, the ego is busy as well and Paul speaks about this you know, quite clearly in these passages. It's always drawing attention to itself because it's comparing and boasting, yeah. always comparing. And uh, somebody said, didn't they, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And how true is that? Because we're constantly, and in fact, it uh, seems to me everything in our modern world is like based on a foundation of comparison. Mm -hmm. But Paul says to the Corinthians, I want you to get to the place, chapter 4, verse 6, I want you to get to the place where you will not take pride over one man against another. Mm -hmm. You won't be comparing. And um, Lewis says this, that pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next person. We say that people would be proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but actually what they're proud of is being richer, cleverer, mm. better looking than somebody else. So pride 
is that sense of being more successful, more intelligent, more good-looking than the next person. So the ego is busy comparing and um, uh, with other things. And then the last thing is the ego is fragile. So because it fears losing what it has. And uh, this is where we quoted the great theologian Madonna, and uh, which is a fantastic quote. And actually, uh, I've got a bit more of the quote this morning than I used on Sunday night. Um, so the first bit of the quote, which I used Sunday night, was my driving life comes from a fear of being mediocre. This is always pushing me. I pushed past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove to myself that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. But then she, um, and, and like I said Sunday, Madonna's not worse than anyone else. In fact, I think she's self-aware mm -hmm. in this uh, quote. She says this, My ego cannot be satisfied. My sense of self, my desire for self-worth, my need to be sure I'm somebody is not fulfilled. I keep thinking I've won it from what people have said about me and what the magazines and newspapers have written. But the next day, I have to go and look somewhere else. Why? Because my ego is insatiable. It's a black hole, which is where the title of the message Sunday night came from. Thank, thank you, Madonna. Black hole. Ego. And I use the illustration, it's just like a balloon, isn't it? Up, down, inflated, deflated, and that's the normal self. So how do we calm the ego? You know, in this um, passage, Paul's addressing the fact that because people are doing this comparison, they can't enjoy the brilliance and the beauty of what's there. So they don't enjoy the relationship with Paul or Apollos, they're just using it for one-upmanship. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not enjoying it, thriving in it. So how do we calm the ego? Um, well, the first thing we said was stop judging, mm. even ourselves. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 4, 3, which is Paul carrying on this argument, he says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. There's nothing wrong with evaluation to improve, and but judging is something very different, isn't it? It's actually that comparison, it's that judgment, it's that harshness we have against ourselves. And I use the illustration of how sometimes when I've preached a message and you don't feel it's gone as well as you thought, you actually judge yourself. And you can even get to the place where you think, have I lost it? Like, have I lost it? You can have seasons in ministry, and ministry goes through all kinds of seasons, you know, seasons where everything you touch turns to gold and where everything you touch turns to something else, mm -hmm. you know. But, and when you're in one of those seasons, you actually can feel, oh, have I lost it, you know. Mm -hmm. But again, look where the focus is. Have I lost yeah. it? Yeah. You're judging. You're judging mm -hmm. yourself. So, so. The first thing is, how do we calm the ego? Well, don't judge. Don't, don't judge people. Mm -hmm. don't, judge, don't link performance to ego. Don't link even feelings to ego. Mm -hmm. uh, whether Or possessions that people have, don't link that 
to self-worth. Stop judging even ourselves. The second thing is a thought from C.S. Lewis, which I think is just genius, and that's think about self, ourselves less. But he, sa- he does say this, humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. So he's not saying have a low view of yourself. He's just saying just don't think about self in this thing. And uh, I love that. We talked about it again Sunday night. I love that thought he has about if you met a truly humble person, they wouldn't tell you they were humble. They wouldn't be saying, I'm a nobody, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a little person or, or whatever. Because that person is self-obsessed because they're, again, focused on themselves. The thing we would remember, he says, from meeting a truly humble person is how much they were totally interested in us. The yeah. focus is somewhere else. So humility is not needing to think about myself, not needing to connect things with myself, not connecting feelings to myself, performance to myself, criticism to myself. It's very hard to do this. And Paul actually theologically calls it being dead to self or dying to self. And Galatians chapter 2 verse 19 to 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. So theologically Paul sees himself united with Christ. When Jesus went to the cross, that I went to the cross. I died with Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, I rose from the dead to a new life in the spirit. When Jesus ascended and seated at the right hand, he theologically says we have been seated with him in heavenly places. We are in Christ Jesus. I think in our Ephesians series, I think it was Nathan, you did that passage, where it was all about being in in Christ Jesus. That's where his focus is, that I went to the cross and I died. I rose from the dead into a new life in the spirit, just like Jesus did, and I've ascended with Christ and seated in heavenly places. So the last thought then, and this is a thought I didn't really uh, bring out, in the message is, in terms of practically how do we respond is this, that we boast in Christ. That our focus is in Christ and towards Christ. Um, I'm on a little bit of a roll where everything I'm thinking about links with my daily devotions or weekly devotions, you know, where I get a verse and I go, so this week the verse there were the verses that I'm meditating on morning and evening in the Psalm 34, verse 1 to 3. Verses 1 and 2 says this, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear and be glad. So I wrote in my notebook today this little paragraph. I've been speaking recently about the human ego. How the human problem isn't low self-esteem or pride, but it's the ego itself. Whatever thoughts went, sorry, while while ever, ever, I can't read my own writing, it's that bad. (laughs) While ever thoughts are consumed with self, we will not find freedom. Only when our thoughts are off of ourselves and focused elsewhere, comma, on Jesus, Will our lives discover 
Yeah, that's right. Discover freedom, purpose, and true meaning. Yeah. That's what I wrote this morning. So the answer to calming the ego is the focus. Mm -hmm. And actually, not self, but Christ. Focusing what he has done, his victory, his glory, his sacrifice, humility, his power, redemption, obedience, faithfulness. Focus on the faithfulness of Jesus and who, what he has done. Focus on who he is, yeah. that he is God, Lord, creator, sustainer, king. And, and then the answer for Paul is that we are not merely human, but to be spiritual beings with resurrection life is to focus everything and to point everything onto Christ. Yeah. So I thought just in closing, I'd, I'd like to read another one of Paul's passages. It's from Colossians chapter 3, um, quite a few verses. Because I think in these verses, again, he, he's, he's, he's flipping that focus and he's dropping that focus again on Christ and then we can have thoughts, comments and discussion around it. So Colossians 3, it says, So then if you have been raised with Christ, there's that view of I died with him and I've been raised up yes. and with him. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth, for you have died. There it is again. Mm. and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Put to death, therefore, because you died, put to death whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you once followed when you were living the old life. But now you must get rid of such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumstanced, circumstanced, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian or Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As, God as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So even ministry, like, it's not whether I did a great sermon or a bad sermon. It's if I did, did I do it in the name of Jesus? Yeah. Whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when I tell the story, those three messages, the third message I want, wasn't happy with, instead of focusing on myself, I should have said, 
Father God, thank you that even though that was terrible, <laughs> you can do great things with it in Jesus' name. It wasn't really that terrible. But you know what I'm saying? I should have flipped the focus away from me onto God. There's my thoughts this morning on calming the ego. So after... Um, most staff talks, we just give an opportunity for maybe a little bit of discussion and even some questions that might come about uh, after that. And so we're going to do that now and uh, we're going to pass the mic around. Usually we wouldn't have a mic and it'd be free flowing, but uh, we're going to pass the mic around and you'll be able to sit in our discussion. So Alice is going to kick us off. Um, I just really enjoyed that last comment that you made about um, it's not about whether I did a good job or not, but it's did I do it in Jesus and was Jesus with me in that? And I just really enjoyed that statement. And I think it gives you more confidence then when you approach something that you're doing, knowing that because you're thinking, well, you know, Jesus has spoken to me about this. And so when I share that with some, you know, with others from a platform or whatever, um, I know that that's Jesus and speaking to me. and it's it kind of takes the pressure off and make and it's like well Jesus is gonna it's Jesus's work now like it's him doing the rest of the work and I know that I've done this through Jesus so yeah I really liked that. So but yeah I was just thinking through that comment you made about the fact that um, that we're so often thinking about ourselves but I think one of the challenges we also face is not just the fact that we're thinking about ourselves but we're often thinking about what do other people think of me. So it's the same sort of idea, really, but we're often stuck in that loop, aren't we? Of what do people, what do people think about me and what do I think about myself? But it's all the same stuff. And I guess a lot of us spend a lot of our time in that space without even realising. And it would be good just to try and work out how to be in that space less, I guess. Yeah, my, my um, favourite bit was the same as Alice, actually. Um, and I know we've both been working on messages this week and I've been questioning, like, have oh, I got anything to say? And actually, no, I haven't, but Jesus has. Like, actually, it's not my words. It's not up to me to try and drag content. It's actually taking a step back and sitting and go, right, okay, what's God saying to me? What 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 is it that he's wanting to express through me? And just allowing the space rather than getting tangled up in, is this good enough? Is my story fun enough? Is all this and just actually taking a step back so that's really encouraged me to do that this week actually just to reflect a bit and is the message that God's wanting to put across actually getting through I really loved what you were saying about um about your message actually because I've experienced that loads as a worship leader where you sort of get off stage and you go that wasn't great <laughs> or I've, I've not done the best that I can and I find it such a difficult tension to balance between knowing that you are doing something really well but also knowing that it's not just about that like it's about what God is doing through that and I, I have a question really about how would you help your team to understand that you can't use it as an excuse mm -hmm. like as a I've got a stage and it was a bit rubbish but it doesn't matter because God's going to work through it but also, what if they've not put the effort in to actually make it really great? Like, yeah. I, I just find that a really difficult tension to balance. Well, I think two things. One is the evaluation. If judging is wrong, evaluation's not. And there's a there's a subtle difference. And um, I was um, I was talking about the preaching evaluations with another pastor recently that we do, and 
he was like, um, oh, we've never done them because, um, like, we didn't, we didn't want to deflate people. We didn't want people to feel, you know, like they were terrible, etc. And so I said, well, I'm, I'm sure and my hope the way we do it, because it starts with self-evaluation and you're just asking the question, what could I do better? You know, what, what went well? Um, what would I change? What could do better? And you're asking yourself that question, hopefully in a non-judgmental way. I think that's one thing. That's a positive, positive thing. So he loved it. So they're stealing that and nicking it and, and you're going to use it for their church. But the other thing as well is the spirit of excellence, because if I'm doing something in the name of Christ, I still want it to represent him well. And so I still give it my best, but it's if, if it's, you know, I give it my best, I prepare the best I can because that honors him because I'm, I'm actually doing it in the name of Christ. So if I am, then he's worthy of the best, but like by far that even almost spares me on to do even better. However, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into that comparison and judging mode, you know, if actually having done that, I've not delivered. Um, if I evaluate and think, well, the reason that didn't go so well was I didn't really put the time in or the effort or whatever, that's another, that, that my response to that is I'd actually spend more, you know, go more, give more time and give more thought on excellence in the future. But it's just moving away from that condemnation, that guilt and that judging and, and learning and growing. But I do think in terms of, we don't we don't want to foster a mediocre culture where people just anything will do because if i'm doing it in the name of jesus then like i want i want to honor that name as best i can so those two things they're really good i, I was i was thinking on that as well and then also i was just thinking um about another passage of paul's where he says to church follow me as i follow christ and thinking of the difference between this and that. And I was thinking, so in one instance, he's saying, don't, don't say I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Yeah. And then in another, another instance, he's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And I was, I was trying to think, well, like they, they seem at odds ends, but you know, in my, in just in my thinking, in my head, I was just, it was like, where's your boasting in? So I can follow another's example as long as I know that that example leads me to Jesus. Whereas um, maybe in this instance that we're talking about, it wasn't that they were boasting in, uh, you know, they were boasting in, uh, I'm following this person and it wasn't leading them towards Jesus. And so very, you know, especially as people who are leaders in church, we, you know, it, it, around youth and around young people, you would use that verse, follow me as I follow Christ. It's like, let's yeah. be role models, let's be examples. Yeah. But we've got to always remember that it's not, oh, I'm of Nathan, I'm of Ben, or I'm whatever, yeah. I'm following Ben, I'm following Nathan. No, it's, well, if Ben's an example, Ben's an example to follow Jesus. Nathan's an example. He's an example to follow Jesus. And it comes back to that again at the end where you were talking about we boast in Jesus and the focus is on Jesus. And so when Paul, you know, just going back to that verse, when Paul says, oh, follow me as I follow Christ, the focus isn't actually on Paul. Paul's the example to follow in Jesus. 
and to live in that life that Jesus has. So, yeah. Mm. Another angle to that is, um, so over the years, um, you know, with people preach and people get on stage and do things, often you hear yourself in their preaching. So Ben might get up and preach and I think, oh, like, he's, he's nicked that from me, <laughs> you know. And, and I never think, but I nicked it from somebody else, you know what I mean? But anyway, he's 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 got that from me. And years ago, I used to feel about, this, like, there's no credit. It's never mentioned. Like two weeks ago, Paul said exactly the same thing as I'm now. There's none of that. But but now I have a completely different view. And it links back to this, I follow, follow me as I follow Christ, is that what was a revelation to me has now become a revelation for him. It's not my revelation. It's his it's his now he don't have to credit me because it's his revelation he's got it it's spoken to him so it's his revelation but he got it through the followership followership it came down the pipeline of follow me as i follow christ but it was christ's revelation that just went that was just the channel that eventually made its way to ben so like you know never never feel and there's is never feel um, a problem at using other people's thoughts, other people's ideas that have really spoken to you. Because if it's really spoken to you, it's now yours. Yeah. It's all yours. Mm-hmm. You know, it's now your revelation that's come from Christ. There was just a conduit. That's, I mean, in the passage, we didn't read it today because of time, but Paul says, here's how you should view us. We're just servants of, of yours for Christ's sake you know, or servants of Christ for your sake, whichever way around he says it. But you, you get the point. All, we're, just the, we're just the water carriers. Yeah. You need the water. Yeah. We're just the blessing carriers. You need the blessing. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's, that, that helped me with thinking about that verse as well, following person um, as they follow Christ. I, I was just going to say comparison, that small point you made on that really struck a chord with me. And how you linked it with the ego being busy as well. And it just reminded me how definitely, at least in my life, that can often be a daily battle. And it's often really small triggers even. And I think the the C.S. Lewis quote you mentioned really summed it up about pride being about having more of that thing than somebody else. And it, the opposite is true. You can easily look at someone and think, oh gosh, I've got less of that yeah. thing than someone else. Um, and I did want to ask as well, just just thinking about leadership and longevity and kind of your journey with that over the years. Is that something that's been a struggle for you? And how have you kind of dealt with that, I guess? It still is. It still can be. It, it, it still can be. And I think the only way to deal to deal with it is to bring it to that place of saying, or whether it's daily or whenever it you, you're triggered, use that word, this isn't about me, it's about Christ. I, I surrendered my life to him. My life's now hidden with him. And so, yeah, there's still, all all of the above is still an ongoing challenge because that's the normal, Keller's, it's Keller's phrase where he says, this is the normal state of the human ego. It's, you know, he could say this is the fallen state of the human ego. So we're all in this. But Paul actually uh, points a better way, the better way being in Christ. So I think it's just constantly, it's just constantly doing that, doing that work of bringing it to Christ, submitting it to Christ, coming back to Him, praying the prayers. Lord, I didn't think I did 
very well. But I know even, you know, in in um, in my whatever word you might use, I might use the word mediocrity. In my mediocrity, mediocrity, you can do powerful things. With my weakness, you can show your strength. You know, with my mistakes, you can actually, you know, do incredible things. So it's actually, I think all Paul's doing is pointing us back to live in Christ and live with Christ continually and bring it into that place, which is the result of that is the peace of God that passes all understanding. Because I'm often not at peace because I'm wrestling with all this stuff. I think that's the thing. So yeah, it's continuing. Yeah, great stuff. Well, that's a staff meeting behind the scenes. Thanks for joining us on the Church Explained podcast. And uh, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you consume this content. And uh, please check out icon.church/open for a load of free resources for you and your church. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Church Explained podcast.